Can, you can't hear my fridge. I was wondering if you could do like a little introduction, just tell us who you are, where you live and what you do. Uh, hi, I'm Dave Grieber. I am a, uh, an artist. I still say I'm based in New Orleans, but I am kind of displaced still from Ida. I think I'll probably be like part-time based in New Orleans for now and maybe. I'm a installation artist and digital artist working a lot with NFTs right now. Hi, I'm Christina Molina. I'm a visual artist. I'm based in New Orleans. I also teach for a living at Southeastern Louisiana University, and I'm currently at the Joan Mitchell Center as a resident. Audley and I were just talking about like things that have uh, changed since the beginning of the pandemic. Would you be able to list two things each that have changed in your lives? I feel like I'm I'm part of like the branded like great resignation, I think. Because I, I quit both, I was teaching adjunct at Tulane and working at Jim Mitchell Center. And then the ways that my job changed in that time made it feel not a great deal or like not worth it to me anymore. So I, I did resign from both of those positions. And right now I'm freelance and sort of like nomadic. Um, so it's a pretty huge change for me. And also my focus for my my own personal artwork has changed a lot where I'm like thinking a lot more like less as an installation artist and more as like a like digitally native artist. For me, what's changed is prioritizing my the energy I invest in certain things. I think during the pandemic, I realized that what I was doing before was not sustainable and it was a time to really analyze that. And I think it's a work in progress. I'm not I haven't reached a perfect balance or anything like that, but it's interesting to Dave that you describe this being part of the resignation movement because I I feel I didn't necessarily quit my job or anything like that, but I did resign from trying to do everything all at once, and I think that was really healthy and not feeling guilt about it, which is major for me. So that's one thing that absolutely has changed, and I think. Related, I've just valued, I always have valued personal relationships, but I think now more I value uh, and find ways to spend time with the people I care about and be more connected with my immediate community in ways that are celebratory and not necessarily about work or collaboration, but more recreation. So I think that's connected to what I just said. So I think that positive changes for me. Um, you know, you had in New Orleans, you you had a big hurricane uh, come through and cause a lot of chaos. Do you feel like that added to because you're talking about the changes and you're, um, you know, caring more about your immediate surroundings and investing in that, uh, putting your energy in your you know close networks? Do you feel like that played a big role in it as well? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think many of us were displaced, myself included. And, um, you know, you, you could see New Orleans has a history of this kind of natural disasters and people coming together and truly being a community that comes together in moments of crisis and otherwise, but especially in moments of crisis. So there is a lot of mutual aid support that was happening after, immediately after Ida and still continues. And those things are are very inspiring, but it also puts into question, like, why do we have to do everything ourselves? Why isn't there more support <laughs> or investment in a city 
that supposedly offers incredible culture and uh, inspiration, not only to the state of Louisiana, but to the country and the world at large. So, you know, we as individuals, we're doing everything we could for each other on the smallest scale, like going to people's houses who evacuated early and cleaning out their fridges and taking care of their pets and breaking their windows to make sure that (laughs) you know we could get into their houses and and make sure there wasn't like mold growing everywhere to you know other larger mutual aid efforts like rebuilding whole towns that were even more devastated than new orleans so i think crisis always puts things in perspective and i have to admit that i was like am i supposed to live here (laughs) like I, i live in a bowl below sea level and it's only been 15 years since the last major disaster. Like, is this just not where I'm supposed to be? But then I realized, like, no, it's, you know, I'm going to have to re- just learn how to adapt because this is where I'm supposed to be for right now. I was watching a um, docu- BBC World documentary about climate change, and um, the reporter was, like, visiting different places that are probably not going to exist in the, you know, it used to be predicted to be like 50 Mm -hmm. years from now, this place um, is at a risk for being flooded. But now it's like in the next 10 years, nobody's going to be living in some of these places. So it's really, Mm -hmm. you know, like somewhere can be your home and you can want to be there, but then the climate change issue is so big that it's going to decide for a lot of us where we can be. It's real. It's real. (laughs) Taking on a somber tone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think um, this could be a good segue into, um, so we, we received a question that is, Dear Adelaide and Anna, how do you know if you're working a lot or not? I mean, I'm working freelance, so I can't really compare myself to anyone. I see my fellow artists and comrades, but I don't really know since there's no regularity in our meetings. I think that I'm working hard to develop my work and to make ends meet. Do you feel like you can relax more than when you were recent graduates, or does it always stay the same? Do you have more financial stability or is this just non-existent? It's just so difficult to handle time management while establishing myself as an artist and somehow manage to have a pace of life that is sustainable in the long term. So this goes back a bit to what you're talking about of finding balance in your life and deciding what's important for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, okay, so I'm going to take it question by question. How do you know if you are working a lot or not? I mean, I think that there's going to be outside factors always, so you have to decide if you're going to listen to them or not. You know, the capitalist machine is never satisfied and always hungry, so it's going to tell you, no, you're not working hard enough. And if you only did this X, Y, Z, then you would truly accomplish what you want to accomplish. So you have to kind of squash that, in my opinion. And I think maybe one should ask themselves, like, am I doing, if what I'm doing is fulfilling and how can the fulfilling work support me and how much of the unfulfilling work do I really have to do to sustain me and try to balance that out and maybe even write things, keep a record, like what are the things that were really fulfilling? How much did it pay me? How much time did I spend doing it? And then maybe after a year, you know what things like paid you more, but were not that great or what things were really fulfilling but didn't pay as much and you can kind of make your decisions based on that and in terms of relaxation I think that you have to 
schedule that. <laughs> I mean, at least I do. I have to say, like, I have a rest day. And if I choose to work, then that's my choice. But this is my rest day where I do no work. How does that work if, say, for instance, the problem I keep having is when, uh, you know, I, th- I say I'm going to do less, I'm going to not stress myself out so much and be running all over the world doing things. But then something exciting comes up and it overlaps with the time I told myself I was going to rest. Like, mm-hmm. How do you propose dealing with that? That happens to me all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I think I think you have to, I mean, I'm telling myself this too. I'm not an expert on this. I think you can share that with the exciting opportunity and and maybe you make that sacrifice, but then you say, or you, you budget for it. Like, okay, there's going to be one or two exciting things that pop up, so I'm going to budget for it. But I, I'm still learning that myself. I'm, I'm interested in a lot of things and it's hard for me to say no. So the question also asks if you feel like you could relax more now than when you were recent graduates. Do you feel like you are sort of developing better strategies or? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I'm learning to do that and not feel guilty about not doing things. <laughs> yeah. And Dave, as someone who's working freelance, maybe you have some perspective on this in terms of the person said they're making ends meet, but like they're comparing themselves to other people and feeling maybe like they're not doing as much as they, I don't even know, is it should, could, or, you know. So um, how do you feel in that regard now that you've um, kind of left, your source of income is more dependent on you than an institution now. So how does that, how has that changed things? And and like a recent transition for me back into that. Um, But I, the work has been coming, like I've been turning stuff down and that that feels good. Um, And I've been trying to, yeah, my problem has been able, being able to like carve out time to work on my, my artwork because I find I can only focus on like external projects and stuff like so much and then still have energy or, or like inspiration to work on my own stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been, that's what I've been trying to deal with balancing right now. But yeah, but then also I guess to that question is like, can I relax more now than I could earlier in my career? And I think the answer is yes. And also what Christina said about like, like I don't really feel guilty about not doing work anymore. <laughs> right? I think like as an artist, yeah, we, we always feel a little bit like we're like, I don't know, if we're like neglecting our practice, we feel bad about ourselves or something. Mm-hmm. But now at least I feel like maturity that I am, I trust that I'll be able to like return to my practice and like be okay. Like I won't forget how to be an artist or something like that, which, but, you know, sometimes you feel that way. I think when you get like really, deep into freelance projects or, or your job or whatever, different family situations. So I found that some of those things can actually be inspiring too. Like that it's not, they're not totally separate, that the projects that you do to make money can overlap or give you ideas. Cause I've been te- teaching before and then I give my students an assignment and then the assignment becomes a project for me. Cause I'm, I already did the demo and I'm like, get into it. So I've been thinking like how, I don't know. I, I was, you were, you were talking about like uh, rest days, Christina. Are there, in which other ways do you sort of insert this uh, uh, sustainability? What would it look like practically? Uh, One day a week, I think, is important for me because I love to work. My husband accuses me of being a workaholic and he's, I don't know, I like to hang out too. (laughs) And I like fun. And when I'm having fun, I'm not thinking about work. 
but I do enjoy, I love to work. So if it were left up to me, I would work all the time, but it wouldn't be good for me. So I decided I had to make a little assignment for myself where like Saturday is my rest day. And um, part of that is also making a time of the week where I take like a really long bath. Um, like I'm really into the ritual of bathing. So I bought myself um, a cast iron, like a vintage cast iron tub. It's very, they're very easy to come by in New Orleans. And so, you know, I make a create certain boundaries there too, like no phone, no nothing, just like being submerged for an hour. And it's totally about just relaxation. And I think that that, that helps me I put things in it, you know, aromatic things or salts or whatever, and that helps me kind of reset and recharge. So just trying to do things like that, even if it's just one hour a week, I think helps me decompress and also helps me recognize that I'm trying to take care of myself, you know, because otherwise, if you're not trying to take care of yourself, it can feel, it can feel damaging like what am I doing to myself you know um so I think that's important to to acknowledge that you're making these efforts to take care of yourself and that that's really important too yeah I like what you say about having rules when you're taking the bath because um that was also one of the ways that I would disconnect from everything because otherwise like my partner's always like how do you know you're getting messages or whatever on your phone if you don't have it on vibrate because that stresses me out I can't take sounds or vibration all the time from my phone And I was like, I look at it a lot. (laughs) And so the bath was like one of the few places where I'm too afraid of like, I know it has to be connected to a cord for you to get electrocuted. But just in in, (laughs) in my mind, like you don't take your phone to the bath, you know. So for me, it was a place where I disconnected and where I actually made myself, you know, because I've, you know, since I've had a smartphone, I just read less because I spend more time on that. And so it was a time for me to read in Spanish because that was my um, pandemic goal was to learn Spanish so yeah it's it's nice to like it's a physical place you can go in your own home and maybe I don't know in other countries it's baths aren't so common like in Norway is it is it common to have a bath yes but it's like quite I'm thinking of it I think it's quite a luxury but now I like I see people like in studio apartments getting these like huge buckets so you can sort of pay yourself (laughs) pay yourself into it I have it like oh maybe maybe I should get one of those that I'm like yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I was thinking actually in regards to this question that something, maybe I'm just also a huge fan of lists or sort of trying to understand like what, what gives me energy and not. Like, so what kind of non-work or what kind of other work do I need? If things just like roll and I get some exciting opportunities or a money job or something, something, I'll just be like, I'll just take whatever, I'll just say yes to stuff and be excited. But then maybe there have been like this many months without without me doing xyz or like things I actually do need in my life so like I try to schedule things to make sure I have like the different things (laughs) happening in my life and not necessarily just will happen by itself but are important to my yeah to my health mental physical health I was thinking Dave maybe you could help us with um, another question so dear Adelaide and Anna what can one offer as an artist to a partner, considering my precarious income and the lack of stability, particularly as a man with the notion of being a provider, etc. Say one is dating someone in a creative field, someone who understands and has a similarly low income. 
This also is related to age. This problem seems to be increasing as one ages and society and partners have expectations of establishing a future, owning something, raising kids, etc. Yeah, I mean, that one hits, hits close to home for me. I, I read it and I was like, oh, damn, how would I respond to this? Well, yeah, um, my partner is an artist as well. She's working remotely. I'm sort of working remotely. We're both like not, not satisfied with this lifestyle. Like we want to settle down more by property. I think like be, I don't know. It seems like be outside of a city is like maybe what we're ready to do. But yeah, like we're, I think, I don't know. Do you? Sorry, it's, it's a really big like thing in our lives right now, like thinking about this. And yeah, sorry, go ahead, Natalie. Do you feel the gender role pressure from society? Is that something that you deal with? Yeah, I feel guilty somewhat and some points like, like my age and stuff like I'm just like I can't believe I'm I'm basically like in the same position that I'm in uh when I was like in my 20s and that's like I do feel some like guilt for that but then at the same time I'm sort of just like I've had a lot of success in in like my field and like the projects I choose to do but that field doesn't offer a lot of like security just sort of what they're saying security in this traditional sense because your partner is also an artist it's sort of um there's like a uh, some shared understanding but um i somehow i'm reading in this question as well if you're not with an artist what do you think uh is there something you could say to this person about like uh yeah what else is there to offer or what kind of what kind of other type of stability or is there something else that sort of comes with um yeah with being an artist yeah i mean it's like stability in the the flux or something like it when you're an artist is like i think we have the easiest time like adjusting to changing circumstances to quote our our project or whatever um and I don't know. I do feel very like comfortable in the fact that like I feel like the whole economy is is changing right now, and um, there's going to be a lot of like different opportunities. And the the premise that like this person's question is based on or something is is likely going to be different um, in the next decade and stuff. So yeah. I don't know. That that's like the stability I draw from is like we're on like this knife's edge of the future and it's kind of exciting to be like surfing on that as as flexible people like as artists as like people who don't have huge like material commitments or something yeah I totally feel that way in terms of you know the flexibility that comes from being an artist because you you learn how to in early on in your career like work with little or and when I think back to to some of the things that I did, like to save money and all that, it's, I feel like it prepares me for what kind of future might come um, with inflation and everything. Like I know how to scrimp and I know how to save and I know how to stretch things. And um, I know how to make art when I don't really have, I mean, I start to wonder, like, can I go back to that? Because I, I did know how to make art when I didn't have much or I get materials at the thrift store. But now I've kind of like upped it, you know, over the years. So I wonder if I'm now stripped of all my... Um, my materials that I got used to using and my facilities that I'm getting used to having, uh, 
like? What does that look like in the future? Yeah, well, I mean, like this project, for example, I know it's not your artistic practice, but there's other ways for you to express yourself in pretty cheap ways, you know, like produ production of a podcast and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I if I can wrap that up or anything like that. But yeah, I do think about that a lot. Anna, how is I mean, now that you are a parent and your partner's a parent and you're both artists, do you feel like I mean, maybe you don't want to talk for him, I don't know. But do you feel like he has these pressures from society that maybe before he didn't really think about or need to think about? Uh, well, yeah, we we do discuss it a lot. Um, but I think, but he's also an artist. And I just think we both just really find sort of comfort in that, that we have some sort of shared values. And apart from the gender issue and the question, I still think um, this... Um, uh, it can be difficult to have like very different um, lifestyles or well yeah it's it's there it's not always sort of pointed at and yeah it it can be difficult to like find a good dynamic in a relationship and for that I'm just kind of glad that um, that we have common understanding but I'm like thinking like what what does um, what does this person need <laughs> or like he's uh, asking for I'm just thinking that maybe it's just really important to be clear about like those insecurities as well. Um, because, because even though a low income doesn't, yeah, it's certain thing that, that does not come with it, but there are other things that comes with our profession, like you pointed out, Dave, but I also hope that there is more than us being very flexible, uh, that comes with the, with the type of work that we do. Yeah. There are other things that we bring to uh, a relationship. And maybe it's also good to sort of really focus on the relationship and uh, to try to yeah put the efforts there and make that work and not think too much about the pressure of the, of like the things around because it's really. But um, I think the reality is really different coming from an American perspective because it's not so simple as like the pressure is also if you don't have a full time job you don't have health insurance for your family. Um, there's no, there's not the kind of state support that exists in other countries. So there's a real consequence for providing for a family or not, you know, like your family won't have health care, your children, you might not be able to live in a neighborhood where the schools are rated good and your children might have a bad education. And there's just a lot of different factors that come with a low income that are going to be completely different depending on where you live. So it's like a lot of stress. I mean, you could go into medical debt for the rest of your life because you had a premature child that had a health issue. So the pressure is, I think, amplified by whatever society you're living in and what, what that provides for you or, or totally doesn't provide for you. And as you get older, all that stuff gets worse, you know, because the insurance gets higher and it's just, I think it really depends on where you live. So I'm just uh, trying to understand like the um, cultural context so so that's like why you day are talking about like wanting to move somewhere else well yeah and that, i mean that stability also connects to what we were talking about earlier with with new orleans and stuff and um just like where i'm at like i can't like i i love the community and i i love a lot of things about new orleans and i've lived there for 16 years but it's like i don't think I can go through a hurricane or two every year like mm -hmm. for the rest of my life I, I hate hurricanes and I hate <laughs> you know no matter no matter 
like what I go through personally or I don't know it's just like it's it's traumatic and um as as much like beauty comes out of it and stuff like I, I've been like I've been through it so many times I'm just kind of like tired of it and every time you're it's like thrust into the light how little the government takes care of people during certain communities during natural disasters sure mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. um yeah and I, and I mean it makes it just makes life harder at the least let's say at the very very least it makes your life harder and I'm like I, I just kind of would like to try life without that mm-hmm. and see how it goes maybe I'll come back <laughs> or something like that but I, I don't know that's why I'm like I don't think I could like buy a house in New Orleans because I, I don't think I can handle that reality personally having to leave uh, your home having it be funded, yeah. having to replace everything yeah yeah um, like this time we were renters and our house was damaged and um, had like mold problems and stuff like that and like fortunately like we could be like okay we're not going to move back in you know um didn't have to stay and, and like deal with it like if it, if it was our property and then you know that that means that we're kind of like floating and stuff and that's the kind of like instability that's troubling but like i don't know i'm i'm really grateful that that we didn't have to deal with that as like a homeowner too which um yeah i don't know so anyway that just to think about another way of like it's like stability and like not having those obligations um is kind of like a relief too yeah i i think um it's really sad but i think we have time for uh one more question to ask us a question anonymously, use the link in our bio on Instagram at Ask Adelaide and Anna, and your question might be featured on our next season. Dear Adelaide and Anna, what to do when one wants to leave a project or work? How to stay, stop, I don't want to be a part of this project work anymore. How to escape without causing any drama? Or what is the better way to quit a project with excellent colleagues, collaborators? I mean, I think it's like, just be straightforward and honest and try to approach your collaborator personally and explain yourself uh, the best way that you can. I think all you can do, right? Make sure you're not leaving them hanging the best you can. Mm, that's true. Maybe try to find a replacement for yourself or start like brainstorming, like who's someone else who could take this thing that I, I want to escape and it would be like an amazing opportunity for them and maybe connect those people. And Yeah. That's a really good point. Cause I was actually just talking about this with someone who um, I have a friend who's has a really like amazing art career that's taken off really quickly. And he's always being asked to do different things and um, his way of kind of reducing that stress and not, not having to say no exactly is he, he proposes, well, instead of a solo show, can I make it a two person show? And then he picks an artist that he really thinks deserves to be seen more. And he shares that opportunity. And sometimes his work is less in the show than the other person's, but people come to it for his name and then he's helping a friend. So I think, I think, you know, that's a good way to get out of a collaboration is like, think of someone who could, like you said, really benefit from it and propose them instead of just backing out um, without any kind of, you know, suggestion for a replacement. Yeah, and I think also, like, if there's time, you know, if the communication is clear and direct, 
as Dave is suggesting, suggesting, then there's time to find somebody else if you can't think of anyone, you know, mm -hmm. for that for that collaborator, if you give them some um, some insight as to why and how long, maybe, you know, the compromises like you offer, like I can be in this up until this point and then I can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm then that gives the person time for that transition. Yeah, that's a great idea to have a deadline. And sometimes, um, like you, you were, we were talking about earlier, when you need to just decide what, is gonna, what you're going to put your energy into and what you're not, I think this, is, this has something to do with that. Like I, you know, I, I was just saying yes to things too. Like, you know, Hannah mentioned, usually when something comes up, like I just say yes, because actually nowadays not that much stuff comes up for me. And so um, at one point I realized I was kind of saturated with all the Zoom artist talks I was being invited to. And there was one that it was just like, it was just going to take too much out of me. Um, and it was, I felt really uncomfortable. I think that's what this person is dealing with, like super uncomfortable to say no, because why? You know, and I realize you don't actually have to give a reason. You could, I mean, if it's, this is a collaborator, so I think you should, you know, have a better relationship, but just saying no to opportunities. Um, you know, I just said it's, I'm not up for it right now, but thank you so much. And I hope you think of me in the future. Yeah, that's great. Very graceful. Yeah. I asked, I asked a friend this because she's very good at saying no. And I was like, can you teach me how to do that? And so she yeah. said, you can say things like, you know, I'm finding myself very overextended right now. And I think that you would be better suited with somebody who has more energy for the project. Or I find myself very overcommitted. <laughs> um, and I, yeah. I thought that was so good. Um, these like ways to frame a no that doesn't necessarily say no, but you should also just be able to say no. I must say this stuff feels like a smirkos board. Now I'm like, now I'm so excited to say no for next time. I think I think saying no takes practice. Absolutely. It's so great that you actually gave us these like sentences, Christine. I'm like taking notes. I know, I found it super helpful too. Yeah, they're good. And we can all like relate to that. Like when you say that, like mm -hmm. that feeling and be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Now I'm just sort of reading things into the question, but because part of the question is how to escape with causing any drama, I'm sensing that maybe this person should have said no earlier on. You know, it sounds kind of like this person just needs to get out or something. Because I can recognize that feeling that sometimes I just have to, you know, like I should have said no earlier. I should have listened to myself and like found a more organized way to leave something. Because um, it's when... If, if I've been pushing myself or like doing something I'm not into for too long, that's when I really want to, yeah, that's, that's when like drama could occur. Uh, Cause I've been like um, pushing it too far. And like, if it's too late too, like the way to escape without causing drama is to like suck it up and just finish the project too. Right. Also, sure. I mean, that's not the, exactly the answer that they're looking for, I'm sure. But it's like all projects, come to an end right and yeah. that's kind of cool <laughs> like once it's over you can do another project mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> right or not and you don't have to yeah. make the same mistakes again and you learn from what you did yeah um, and that's how you don't cause drama too yeah and I think I've been strong-armed into projects before and have been really mad at myself for not insisting that I can't do it so mm -hmm. I think that's another thing you learn is how to not be strong-armed into something because 
if you are, then you start to resent the project, the person, yourself, you know, that's another thing I think you can say is like, look, I can't, I'm overextended. And then I don't want to end up being resentful of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's a more polite way to say that. But <laughs> And I tend to answer questions too quickly. And I need to learn from my mom when I was a kid, you'd ask her for something or can we do this or whatever. And she'd say, I think about, I'll think about it. And that gave her time to think about it because sometimes that's what you need to do. And like you said, sometimes you do need to just finish the project because it's worse if you burn those bridges than if you just, you know, suffer for a little bit and then find a nice way to bow out. Well, we, we're at time now, but um, thank you so much for for talking to us and for helping us give advice. Yeah, thanks for having thank me. Thank you all. I hope it was helpful. Season four of Ask Adelaide and Anna was commissioned for a structure and vision for changing circumstances a project curated by Maya Rudowska in collaboration with Festival Arts Centre and Pars Nola. Thanks to Annabelle Shin for creating the sounds we use in these jingles. Thanks for listening.